Welcome to the World Harvest Church podcast channel. We hope you enjoyed this message. Father, we worship you tonight. We do give you all the thanks and the praise. For you are good and your mercy endures forever. And we can say we have been recipient, recipients of that mercy and of your goodness and of your love. Father, we are so thankful for what you've done for us, for what you're doing right now, what you're working in our lives, what you're working in our hearts, what you're working through us and in us and for us. And Father, we are expectant of what you have yet ahead. Father, faith is now, but we also know it looks ahead that all good things, they come from you. And our future is bright, full of wonderful and good things that your word has promised to us. And we give you thanks and praise and all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated tonight. Well, this week we um, we have been in the Bible school. Uh, we have been having what we kind of started um, a couple years ago, called Doctor Week. And with uh, Dad, that was my father-in-law. If you're new here, um, if you missed out on something along the way. He went home in 2013. Him and Brother Mitch, Ms. Sharon's husband, Ms. Sharon, wave to everybody because we haven't seen your face. Everybody's happy to see Ms. Sharon tonight. Um, and so him and Brother Mitch, they went home to be with the Lord uh, in a, there was an accident. And I'm not going to go into all that tonight. That's a different story, different time, different message, uh, different teaching. But uh, what we had endeavored to do in, in talking to Pastor Nancy many years ago, and we began to realize that as time is going to pass, um, not that he's forgotten, not that we don't remember, but we know so much, but it's the people that are coming. We've got to keep that alive. Keep uh, his, not his memory, but very much the, the reality of every bit of who he is is still here. What he did, his vision... He, we talk continually about the fact that he was the one years and years ago, was it the 70s, when he saw himself hanging off the satellite, declaring Jesus is the healer. And so much now, that vision is touching so much now of what we do. So we've got to keep going back in the Bible school, especially God spoke to him about starting the Bible school. And then God laid everything out uh, with Pastor Nancy. She, she got before God and, and got all the details. And, but um, God spoke to doctor to come back to California. He had been here in California for years uh, pastoring and God told him to move to Oklahoma. He didn't know why. Uh, that's where he met Pastor Nancy. He lived there for three years and God said, move back to California um, come back to California. And, um, he, he said, yes, got up the day that, that God told him to come back to California and get ready for this last day move. He said, yes. He told the congregation that morning. Okay. That just gives you a little glimpse, the type of man that he, he, uh, he really is. Um, I imagine many are, mar we're starting to march double time once he got to heaven that this this man of God moved with God 
at a pace that most people would just make their heads spin. Because if God said jump, he was jumping, and as he's jumping, he's saying how high. You know what I mean? It, he, he moved before he ever asked uh, because there was such a spirit of faith on him. And uh, he walked in that. It was his walk with God was not just something uh, put on or an error. It was a reality. And so we like to talk. We, we, we share stories. Uh, we talk about today, um, Stephen and Pastor Nancy, they talked to the students and they didn't discuss what they were going to talk about. And both of them came in and really hit on pretty much the same points uh, regarding the prophet's office and regarding doctor. I mean, it was almost like they had exchanged notes or something. And um, we laughed because he really wasn't that funny this morning. So you don't worry, you didn't miss anything. He was, uh, he wasn't real funny. I mean, he was a couple of times, but he, he's not always funny. <laughs> um, but he wasn't as funny. He, he came in with notes, like a, like a little teacher. I said, what? A notebook. He had a whole notebook. Um, and so he had some things on his heart to share. And so did Pastor Nancy. And I just thought it'd be fitting for us to pick up there tonight and I want to really, and we probably more than likely will continue along these lines because I said to Pastor Nancy Backroom, it dawned on me, because um, I love teaching on faith, especially on midweek. There's just such a drawl and a hunger. And, but I, I, it occurred to me now with this day and age of social media and television and all these outlets of being able to see different ministries, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say this as, as gracious as possible. You get to see a lot of things and people, and people can really identify themselves and label themselves in a, a ministry uh, that God did not give them. But you know what I mean? And their, their Instagram handle or whatever, you know, is prophet so-and-so, you know, that's right. I, one of the first things both of them came in and said is, if you see, my husband said, if you see a sign out in front of somebody's meeting that says prophet so-and-so, more than likely, right? We're, we're you know, and I'm not, I'm not down anybody. We were, we're just saying um, you would be, let's say you're out at a restaurant and you meet somebody just casually, you know, oh, how are you? You bump into some, excuse me, and they just all of a sudden they go, I'm doctor so-and-so with such and such and such. You'd be like, all right, that's what, you know, instead of, hey, I'm John. I'm not taking away from all that you've got behind your name. But if you have to say it, wouldn't that kind of rub you a little, like a little odd? You know what I mean? If, if you start listing, the, the thing is, is when you have a call, you didn't earn that. You're reverent of it, and it was given by God, and it's not to be used and abused to advertise anything. The anointing, it, it destroys the yoke, and it also draws people. So the anointing's there. You don't need a name to, to draw the crowd. So it's not putting anybody down. It's just recognizing you know, that, um, and, and we're going we're gonna to teach long lines and, and teach and look at what is a prophet, what does a prophet look like, maybe get into some of the other ministry offices, because I tell you, we're growing here, uh, and, and, but again, there's a lot of, of visual um, ministries out there, 
and so many good ministries, but there's a lot that you can just kind of take and, uh, and replicate, you know, and, and, and copy. And we want to know the real, the true, the true. Amen. Uh, the Bible says we worship God in spirit and in truth. We need to then know some truth about some things. And uh, we're, we're wonderfully taught here. And Pastor Nancy, again, just with, with my father-in-law going home, she has carried on the vision and even received uh, more clarity of what we're to be doing. And a lot of that clarity, uh, doctor had seen, my father-in-law had seen years ago. It was things he has already, he, before he went home, he already saw. And that was what is so wonderful is it's not that he um, is really missing out. He, he, he had held these things in his heart. He would talk to her all the time about going on the TV. I've got to get her on TV. I've got to get her on TV. I've got to get her on TV. And again, not go, we're not trying to force anything. We're not trying to advertise. You know, people don't know Pastor Nancy has a, a, an honorary a doctorate. Um, I say medical, honorary medical doctorate. No, your family did. <laughs> Muck did. Um, uh, no, but a ministry uh, doctorate. But she didn't go by Dr. Nancy. Why? Because, uh, you know, I think Pastor Nancy's more, it's so personal. It was so personal to all of us. You know, what about Brother Hagen, right? He, he had a doctorate. He had it all. He was a prophet. He was a, a, an apostle. He was sent to preach faith. And yet he never got up and advertised, um, you know. And so some people, a title fits, you know, better. Doctor, Dr. Dufresne, I don't know, it just suited him. He didn't demand it. People just started calling him that, but it just suited him. It just, he wasn't Prophet Dufresne. He was Dr. Dufresne. Uh, or as my husband called him, Doc, you know, and they'd, they'd start getting into Doc, you know, you, and, and so it was a, a, a warm and fuzzy term that he used. Um, and then, you know, dad had a few choice names for him when he got frustrated. So, um, but if you would go with me to Ephesians chapter four. And everything we look at, we're going to, he led captivity captive. He led a train of vanquished foes and he bestowed gifts on men. <clears throat> but he ascended. Now what can this, he ascended but mean, but that he had previously descended from the heights of heaven into the depths and lower parts of the earth. So look here, verse 11. And his gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us, some apostles, special messengers, some prophets, inspired preachers and expounders. Notice it doesn't say prophesiers. This is the uh, Amplified Classic. Uh, some evangelists, preachers of the gospel, traveling missionaries, some pastors, shepherds of his flock, and teachers. He, his intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church. So why is it important that we know about the fivefold gifts? Because the fivefold ministry gifts given to men were meant to equip the body. If you don't understand how the fivefold offices work, you're going to suffer in your own equipping. 
They're called to preach, teach, and lay hands on the sick. What are you called to do? Preach, teach, and lay hands on the sick. Just in a different pulpit, a different platform, so to speak. That's when you get on your job, when you get in your business, your sphere of influence. Uh, it must require, you must put a requirement on yourself that where God has sent me into the world, not that he's sending you to another country, but your neighborhood, your neighbors, those that you come in contact with are just as important as those in, in a third world country because hell burns the same for everybody. So it's so important that as we understand here how these ministry gifts operate, we'll know how to draw on them better for our equipping. So you say, well, I'm not called to one of those offices. Maybe I'll, I'll not come or this isn't important. No, this is very vital and important. We also need to have these gifts when they stand in a pulpit or you're sitting in a service, you need to know how to draw and receive of that gift so that God can impart to you everything from that gift. All the, let's say it says the equipping, all the equipment you need. I can't receive equipment I need if I don't know where to find it and how to get it. You can have somebody come up and preach the word of God, a, a, a pastor, a teacher, a prophet, an evangelist. Um, but if we don't understand how these ministry offices function, then we're not gonna know how to make a draw and receive based on that specific gift. So you don't go sit uh, in, in college, you don't go sit in economic and try to listen um, for, you know, history lessons on World War II. You know what I'm, you understand that. Why, you, you're drawing, that is not that person's gift. They didn't come, they didn't study, and they didn't get their PhD in, you know, world history. They're here to teach you economics. So, same thing. Yes, it's the same word, but they're all gonna flow and function and have different operations, and that, but they're equipping the saints, they're equipping us. They were sent for us from Jesus. Amen? And tonight, I want you to notice, too, as we get into some of these things and we, we go through some points, that this goes right along with the direction the Holy Ghost has been sending us with following the Spirit of God. Because what people want, and again, what both of them talked on this morning, what, both pe what people want is they want a prophet to get up and talk about and, you know, give them a word to give them direction so that they can make a decision. <laughs> They're basing, the, we don't base decisions. We don't base uh, the direction for our life. Uh, the Bible says over in Romans chapter eight, we are led by the spirit of God. His spirit bears witness. We are led by the Holy Ghost. Not looking for a word. My husband told the students, don't just shut down looking to get a word from somebody. Just shut that down. And he talked to them about how they can get more out of even just a conversation with an anointed and how to draw on that. And he gave his own life's examples of the things he received and, and things that broke off of him and revelation he got just letting a man of God talk about whatever he wanted to talk about. Why? Because just on them, resting on them, a lot of times a prophet is a tangible anointing. There's a tangibility that you can receive from that from many of, uh, of those who are developed in their ministry gifts. Um, just when they talk and have conversation, you can receive an impartation. Now, 
let's identify there was two types of prophets. There's an Old Testament prophet and a New Testament prophet. What are we living in today? The New Testament. The Old Testament prophet. In the Old Testament, there was three people that the Holy Ghost came upon. The prophet, the priest, and the king. Not on the inside, but would come upon them to serve in that particular position. The prophet was the only one that had the anointing come on them to minister to the people. Okay? The king was there to rule. We, we know we won't get into it. They wanted a king. God gave them a king. That became an anointed position. Uh, and the priest was there to learn, study the law, know the law, and be able to direct the people and keep things in order, make the sacrifice between God and, and man. But the prophet was the only one that really had the anointing, the, the, the Holy Ghost on them, rested on them, not in them, but on them to minister to the people. Um, but today, and, and Dad Hagen references this as Jesus, Jesus himself personally taught Dad Hagen some of these things and then showed him in the scripture how this is backed up because, you know, Dad, Dad Hagen was so balanced and he'd say, he'd tell Jesus, show me, show me. He didn't just take Jesus' word because if Jesus saying it, then he's put it in, in his, his word. So he'd say, show me in the word. So uh, you can look over and you can see that they would have a school of the prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, we know Elisha was building one with the students when the axe head fell in the water. We know that, remember, the students would tell Elisha, don't you know he's going to be leaving, talking about Elijah, and say, be quiet, right? Who were those? Those were the, the prophets, the students of the school of prophets. And uh, Dad Hagen was thinking of starting a school similar, and, and Jesus taught him, he said the reason there was school of the prophets is because the prophet was the only one meant to minister to the people. But he said, now I have five offices called to minister to the people. So that's where we get Bible schools from because you've got five offices that need to be equipped, taught and trained, not just a school of prophets. So if you ever see that there's a school of prophets or a school of prophecy, can I so kindly say that? That's not scriptural for the New Testament. It's not scriptural. Why? Because there's five offices that are called to preach, teach, lay hands on the sick, and equip the saints. The only reason in the Old Testament there was one school is because there was only one office anointed to minister to the people. Does that make sense? So now this is why we have Bible schools. We have training schools. And really what we open ours to is not just those called to fivefold, but those who want to better serve in, as my father-in-law called it, a dignified office of the ministry of helps, the one that holds up the other offices. He called it, these are the five, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and the ministry of helps is that palm that holds everything up and allows those offices to do what they need to do. And he said it was such, it's a dignified office. It's the way he got started in the ministry. In the 60s, when my father-in-law got saved 
and he gave his life to the Lord finally after Billy Fraser for years came to him and invited him, you know, uh, on the job site. They, they did framing together. You and my husband talking about that this morning. They worked together in construction and he would come and harass him. And my father-in-law was not saved. He was raised Catholic. He had a, a very difficult home life uh, growing up and there was mental illness, alcoholism, and he himself had, had begun to drink and uh, was not a good Catholic, had gone to his priest and said, my life is ending up in the same direction uh, as my family's, you know, my parents. Can you help me? He said, you need to come to more of our Catholic events and you can work, man, the Budweiser booth. And he said, no, that's my problem is the Budweiser booth. But Billy Fraser kept pressing him, kept pressing him, and he would, and my father would say this, he'd cuss him out. He'd, he'd let him have it. I'm not blankety-blank going to your, you know, church. And, and that's just a little glimpse into many of uh, a, a prophet's way of speaking. They're very plain, they're very bold, and they really don't care what people think. Because prophets know the heartbeat of God, and they're interested in one thing, what is God saying for this hour? And are we getting that job done? Whatever they got to do, however they got to minister it, and however they gotta have to say it, they'll say it the way God says it. A true prophet will speak only and, and be very clear at what God is trying to express. So my father was always very clear, um, and he didn't care what people thought of him because he knew where he'd come from. So Billy Fraser invites him to church. He gets saved. He gets born again. And what did he do? He loves telling the story of how he came back to church on a, on a uh, Saturday, Sunday night with his big white Catholic Bible because a Filipino couple that morning stood up with tongues and interpretation and prophesied, now is the time of salvation. And he said, the hair on the back of his neck stood up. And he said, I knew that was me. And he couldn't wait for the preacher to stop talking because the preacher had hung his head in embarrassment at the boldness of the Filipino couple. And he said, I couldn't wait for that. He wasn't interested. The preacher was embarrassed and he didn't care what the preacher said because that was his answer. Why the anointing had ministered to him. The Holy Ghost had touched him. And so he, he goes up, he gets saved, and he comes back and he says, what can I do? I've been serving the devil my whole life. What can I do to serve God? And they said, we have nobody to clean the toilets. And he said, I'm your man. I'm the one. And he did, he served, he ushered, he cleaned the pulpit, he cleaned the toilets. And eventually God asked him to build the church. He quit his job with no pay and built the, the, the church for free. And that's a whole nother sermon. So the ministry of helps is so important. Our Bible school, come. If you want to just move forward in the call of God on your life, you can come. But we understand here that if you ever hear that there is special ministry for prophets or for prophesying or for prophecy or for prophetic this, prophetic that, prophetic, 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 I'm just saying I can't find anywhere in the New Testament and I'll show it to you. Um, a prophet in the Old Testament was a seer. We're not led by prophets the same way today that they were led then. How many of you say, I've got the Holy Ghost? If you have received Jesus, he's on the inside of you and your spirit can be led, amen? Now, New Testament, go with me if you would. 
uh, a New Testament prophet. Go to Luke chapter four. It says here, after Jesus was tempted, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He come back into the sea, come back into the synagogue. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to number one, preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. What did he say he was called to do first? Preach. A New Testament prophet is first called to preach, teach, and lay hands on the sick. That is their first assignment and what they should be developing in first. If you recognize somebody just gets up and starts prophesying and starts I say prophesying, I use that loosely, uh, appearing to prophesy and they're not preaching, teaching. There's no demonstration of preaching and teaching. There's no laying hands on the sick. It's just prophesying or trying to practice prophesying. They're off because even Jesus said first when he came back after having been baptized by John, gone in the wilderness, he said, I have come to preach the good news. If he's the head of the church, every one of us, our first assignment is to preach the good news. Your first assignment is not to make money. It's to proclaim the good news. Your first assignment is not to be a mother, not to be a father, not to be a good husband or wife. Your first assignment is to preach the good news. And if that means in your home, correct, good, you do that. But it's to proclaim, and not only proclaim, you can proclaim by your own lifestyle the good news. In fact, we should be demonstrating and preaching with our lives, our lives being a testimony. Now, um, go Matthew chapter 9. Go to Matthew chapter 9. Verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news, the gospel of the kingdom and curing all kinds of diseases and every weakness and infirmity. There he was teaching, preaching and healing. Amen. Now go to Luke chapter 28. Luke chapter 28. Excuse me, Luke chapter seven, not 28. Luke, Luke seven, I wanna look at Luke seven. Inferior to other citizens in the kingdom of God is greater in comparable privilege than he. Um, John was, well, verse 28, and all the people who heard him, even the tax collectors, acknowledged the justice of God in calling them to repentance and pronouncing future wrath on the impenitent, uh, impenitent being baptized with the baptism of John. John came preaching baptism, uh, whereas Pastor Nancy pointed out this morning, the Jewish leaders were upset because they preached the way to God is through circumcision. John said, no, repent and be baptized. Completely un upended 
their history and what they'd been taught. But God was upending things. He was making a new covenant with man. He was, he had, this had been in the works. Everything that they had was leading up to this moment. Um, and so John the Baptist, uh, he was a prophet um, and he was the greatest prophet. But what did he do? It said he preached, he taught, he went preaching repentance, preaching baptism. Did he go out prophesying? No, he just was telling people, repent, get your life right. You've not been doing right. He wasn't up on the mount giving people words. <laughs> you know, he didn't come out with locusts and say, you know, penny for your thoughts and a locust, here you go, and I'll give you a word and a, you know, honey-covered insect <laughs> tied to the foot. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, he just proclaimed, be baptized, repent, be baptized. It says he was the greatest. So if he's not, if the greatest, one of the greatest prophets declared here in this transition time, what are, what are we looking to the prophets to do? First, they should be preaching, teaching, and healing. Bringing the good news. Amen? What about this? Go to 1 Timothy. Let's look at Paul. 1 Timothy. Students, some of this stuff is on your tests. Mm. Aren't you blessed? You get to hear it maybe, maybe twice. Maybe, maybe this might be the only one, so take note. Paul said of himself, and of this matter, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, special, special messenger. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I do not falsify when I say this, a teacher of the Gentiles in the realm of faith and truth. Paul was an apostle, but he also was a prophet. Uh, apostles, we won't get too much in this. Apostles can step in and out of each office. As need be, they'll raise up churches. They'll pastor for a time. One of, the, one of the best examples we have of a, a real true apostle was Dr. Sumrall. He'd go and he'd start churches. He'd raise up churches. That's what the church that the Ramoses came out. The Philipp, our, Phil, our own hometown Filipino couple came out of the church that Dr. Sumrall got sent to the Philippines to start. The, the, the little girl got delivered from a demon. The whole country knew it, heard it, and saw it. And a revival took place and they came out of that, that church. But he would come back, then he came back to Indiana and then he'd get sent out. He would pastor on Sundays, travel during the week. So an apostle can touch in and out. So he says, yes, I'm an apostle, but notice this, I'm a preacher and I'm a teacher first. So Paul, didn't, Paul did not talk about his special gifts. Timothy, let the people know that when I come there, I have a word for them. You don't ever hear Paul talking like that. You know, if you need a word, send, send a letter and I'll tell you what the Spirit of God is saying right now to you, for you, and about the money that you're going to get. You know, no, what did he do? He he sent correction, direction, encouragement. Amen. Look at uh, go to Second Timothy. Second Timothy. So these are these are the men of God. Now that we know um, of in the scripture that we would say are great men of God. So I'm not using anybody necessarily uh, a modern man or woman of God, but we can see this in the scripture. How about Second uh, Timothy chapter one, verse 11? For the proclaiming of this gospel, this is Paul again, I was appointed 
a herald, preacher, and an apostle, special messenger, and the teacher of the Gentiles. There he is. He's just preaching and teaching, preaching and teaching. Amen? Oftentimes, people think prophets or a ministry call in general is going to go around giving words to people to try to validate their ministry. Validation in ministry, no one can, can validate you but the Lord Jesus Christ. Anoint you, call you, separate you. And there will be, my father would say, there will be fruit. He'd say, if you're, if you're, if you're the real deal, there's going to be fruit. And people will recognize that. This morning, I love what, what Stephen said. He said, people were drawn to my dad. He said, we'd go out and they'd just be drawn to him. You know, preachers were drawn to him. People, he's talked about going to the auto, auto shop, uh, was a transmission shop. And this man just kept, he even asked uh, doctor for a hug before they left. He was telling the students. He said, I saw people all the time. He said, I traveled with my dad so much. And he said, people would just be drawn to him. He said, that was the anointing, the sincerity and People recognize, not because he could prophesy, but because he walked in the love of God to people. Um, everything we have is birthed from the love of God. So if you're only interested in the activity, you know, that represents God, we're missing the greatest thing. That's the love of God. And that's one thing my father understood, the love for people. He knew what he had been through. He knew how he had, he knew what God had given him and restored back to him. And he had such a love for people. He had people come against him time and time again, talk against him. Because anytime you're going to be in a position that's more visible, you know, if you're saying, I want to sign up for ministry, Um, it is, it is a, 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 a high honor to be called to ministry, but if you're not called an anointed there and graced, what is the grace? God's divine ability. You'll be doing something in your own ability, right? I am not graced to be an accountant. I'm not great. I'm not even graced to homeschool my kids. He gave gifts. <laughs> you got to know where your grace is. And if you're looking at somebody else's grace and it looks appealing, there's something off. We got to check our hearts on that. Why? 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 I'm always asking myself, why do I need to get up in this pulpit? Why do I need to come down? Why am I here? Why did God call me here? Why am I in California? Asking so that I'm keeping everything right before him. Amen? Motives. Motives. So doctor, he had always had this sincere motive as we see Paul had, John the Baptist. He just wanted people to be taught, preached to, and have help. He just wanted to bring help. And in that help, he was pleasing to God. Not in the prophesying, not in trying to get his name out there, not in trying to become somebody for himself. He just wanted to help people. And because of that, people noticed that sincerity. They were drawn to him. Um, we've got videos and pictures and, uh, he hated sickness. He hated sickness. Uh, and so he, he did not like seeing people sick. He didn't like, he didn't even like hospitals. 
Um, he had seen his, his mother in and out of mental institutions. What year, how old was she when she died? She was young. She was 42. She had him at, he was already born again. Um, she'd had him at, at 16. So by 42, she had died. He'd gotten her born again right before. You know, he talked about, how many remember the home run? He'd say, oh, she's barely, nope, it was a home run. She made it in all the way, rounded those bases. It was a full grand slam, amen? He never diminished that it happened right at the end of her life. And so with that, that call, he knew what he had, and so he took it very seriously that other people were gonna come in these services and have those same needs. So he wasn't trying to prophesy to make a name for himself. He cared about one name, and that was Jesus. When you have a call or when you're trying to, you know, you hear somebody minister, where does the glory go to? Where does the honor go to? When you leave and you hear that message or you hear somebody give a word, did your attention go to them? Or would you, did you immediately sense the power, the presence of God, the love of God, the goodness of God? So my husband said this morning, you can tell when it's off. He said, uh, and, this is, and this is true for both an Old Testament prophet and a New Testament. He said, there's precision. There's precision. Not just a general, you know, trying to give people what they want to hear. My father-in-law, I'll never forget when there was the recession. Remember that hit 2007, 2008, 2009? We were over in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And he fell back on the platform, got caught in the spirit. He had been preaching. And then he began to minister to some people and he got caught up in the spirit. He might've even been just ministering to the sick. He fell back on the platform and he he saw it. He began to talk to God. He saw uh, this this demon spewing black, he said, called like black tar over Wall Street. What did he do? By seeing it, he knew he had a responsibility to deal with it. And then he said, it'll rock and reel, but it won't go under. At that point on the news, I will never forget it. They said, we're headed for a depression. We're like, I mean, it was doom and gloom. And doctors said it'll rock and roll to go back and forth, but he said it won't go under. And it happened exactly as he said it. Why? It was precision. It was precise. Amen. Uh, he brought up an example of, of um, when at my hometown, when he come to preach at my, my church that I grew up in, this was after I'd married Stephen, and he got in the spirit and he saw uh, three large warehouses large businesses that were coming. And like my husband said, my town's in the middle of nowhere. They had no business building a warehouse out where I, you know, live. It's not, it wouldn't be the ideal place. Let me put it that way. Um, there was a major interstate, but there, I, I, you, you didn't know if there was even the amount of people to support working a, where, a warehouse. And it happened one after the other. It was like Dollar General, Walmart, they boom, boom, boom. All three warehouses came in within like five years. There was not even any plans at that point. Happened just as he said. Um, and so there is a precision. There's an accuracy. And you'll sense the presence of God. You'll, you'll sense the love of God, the goodness of God. Even, listen, even in a correction. Why? Who the Lord loves, he corrects. So you even sense the love of God when a prophet gets up and, and deals with things. And my father-in-law would get up and when things would, were getting off in the body of Christ, you better believe why he answered to God. He didn't answer to man. Those in ministry and especially, they answer directly. They're God's, uh, again, they know the heartbeat of God. A prophet 
they oftentimes they walk alone. They're loners. Why they've got to have uh, uninterrupted communion with God more than anyone. Amen. So we'll stop there for tonight. Um, let me say this. Don't look for prophecy because it's not scriptural to do so. The Bible says, believe the prophets and you'll prosper, but it doesn't say look for prophecy. John Osteen said, beware marriages made of prophecy from prophecy. <laughs> I can hear his voice. Why? <laughs> we talked about, because my, my father-in-law didn't like anybody to be alone he loved people so much. My husband was talking about this morning. He didn't want anybody to be alone. He would call me from the road and say, is there anybody dating? You know, like any, any news on anybody getting married? He loved people. He knew some of the difficulties and the abandonment and, and the things he had gone through in his life that had hurt him. He never wanted anybody to be alone. So Pastor Nancy would really, really have to keep him from out of the goodness of his heart because he was this ministry gift and this, you know, and people would hear him talk and they go, Dr. Dufresne. And we go, no, he just doesn't want you to be alone. <laughs> like, you know, and we, she, she even talked about, we had to discern what was the, the man. He was a man. He got it. He got his, his feelings hurt. There was a time where some people really hurt him and it affected him for years. That man, he'd get in the pulpit, that anointing would come on him, be so tangible, he'd be so bold. And we could watch him, if we'd spent time with him days after and you could see and you could feel, you could sense that anxiety and that, that depression and that difficulty trying to get on him as a man because he still had to walk by faith, live by the word and he did, he did. So people wouldn't know what he was going through. That's how many in ministry, many, it should be. Um, and so he was a man. And so he would sometimes try to matchmake as a man, not as a, uh, as a man of God. <laughs> Why? Because he just didn't want, it's true. He, and she'd say, oh, don't, you know. So I learned real quickly, don't really discuss because if he came home and he was home for too long and had too much time, <laughs> you know. But John Osteen said, beware marriages made of prophecy. <laughs> you know, in Pastor Nancy's own story, she said when she was in the wrong relationship, people called the two of them out and prophesied that that was the will of God. And it wasn't. Why? Because it looked like, it looked like this is the importance of what we've been teaching on Sunday mornings in the book you're reading, following the spirit of God. Because man can miss it or they can want something. And if a minister starts getting the habit of prophesying and giving words based on what they want or what they've been listening to, it's dangerous. This is why prophets tend to walk alone. They're alone. They're, there's an accuracy, a better accuracy in their ability to hear from God. And they're, they're, it's built into them to be alone, to be okay with being alone. They're not gonna be your most social gift. <laughs> Amen? So we'll stop there. 
And we'll pick up with some things because again, how many of you say you maybe learned something new tonight? Learned something new. You know, just, just another nugget uh, uh, to help us be more skillful in receiving. Amen? Amen. Stand with me to your feet. Thank you for joining us. To learn more about World Harvest Church, please visit our website at defrainministries.org.